cups from you? Um, we don't reuse them. Did you ever wonder that? Um, they are discarded. Um, I don't think anybody pulls them back out of the garbage. I think they are left there. But it's good to have you here today. Uh, the kids are exiting to my right, your left. They have a. This is the last Sunday that um, we've been doing this all summer. The children have been in the service with us all summer long. Uh, some for the entire big church service and some for just the worship time. Today they're going to be going with Wanda and the bridge is going. And it's a bit chaotic, but it's still good. Who's warm? I tell you what, I think I wore the wrong color shirt today. I got to get some water. But... uh, it has been a warm week, and I think I heard the other day San Francisco had a record day ever in heat, and that's incredible. But um, how come it always has to come back to the Giants? So it's good to be here today. I want to share a few quick announcements. I left them over there, but I think one is life groups. Um, as you can see over here in our overflow section, there's this, uh, all kinds of information about different life groups. I encourage you, connect to a life group. Sunday morning church is awesome, but doing church is more than Sunday mornings. And so I encourage you, connect to a life group. If you've not uh, been in a life group and you're curious, Adina, could you stand up? She's got a pretty green top on this morning, and this is my wife. So come talk to Dina or myself afterwards, and we'll try to connect you to a group. Um, it's, uh, I think it's, it's imperative to be a part of a life group or to be a part of a group. And so I, I encourage you again, take that time. This Saturday at 8, we have men's prayer breakfast. And uh, so men, uh, be prepared to come and pray. And then Saturday night at 6.30... Say 6.30. We're going to be here, all that will come, and we're going to have an hour of praise and prayer. Uh, We've been in, uh, we're in the middle of a 21-day prayer and fasting time. Um, If if you've not been participating, you want to jump in now, uh, go to Facebook and find the New Testament church page, and it updates every morning what we're praying about and why we're fasting and what kind of a fast. It's different each day. Uh, Please take time to join us in that. Why are we doing this? We're believing that he is preparing us for the harvest. Man, that's a whole other message. The harvest is going to come, but you need to prepare. Because when the harvest comes, Dwayne, when the harvest comes, you have to be prepared for it, right? And Dwayne, I, I call on him because he's a... He's like a big farming guy in, in the community. He's actually big in a lot of areas in the community, but one of them's being a farmer and county supervisor. But prepare for the harvest. That's the season we're in. And the best way to prepare is through prayer and fasting. Join us because that's our last day of this 21 days. We're going to finish it with a great time of praise and prayer, uh, believing for the harvest. 
Next Sunday when you come, I want you to come expecting, expecting to encounter his presence. We're going to have a new series starting then, but right now we're in this series called Pieces to Peace. Who got a piece today? Better yet, who did not get a piece today? And, and you're like, I don't know what that was. Well, it's a puzzle piece. And so if, if you don't have one, maybe, is there some left? All right. So there should be. The ushers have them. So keep your hand up. I want you to take a piece home with you. And, and is it anything special? Absolutely. Because that piece means a lot when it comes to a jigsaw puzzle. As I shared last week, you've put together puzzles before. This is feedback time. You can talk with me. I'll let you. When you've put together a puzzle before and you've got one piece missing, frustration, confusion, all that creeps in, right? Well, so this piece that you're going to have is very important because it's a piece to completing the picture, right? And you're all a piece of that picture. As I talked about last week, that perfect picture of peace. That should be the church. The church is that perfect picture of peace, or ought to be. And you're a piece of that. Pieces to peace. Now this last week and a half, we've encountered something in our country that was devastating in in Texas and Houston and the surrounding areas with uh, Harvey. Showed up and devastated much of that Harvey, the, 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 what was it, hurricane, uh, and then torrential rains that just would not stop. Thousands and millions probably are displaced today as we are here. And then you start watching what goes on, and the initial stories that come out are how we've had a tumultuous time as a country where there's been rioting and fighting and, and chaos and confusion throughout the country, really throughout the world. And so, but then the initial stories coming out of what we heard about the, the hurricane that had hit Texas was how people were coming together, united, to support one another. And then as the enemy does, what then I heard was another story of how people were coming together to help one another, but the church was becoming divided. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Joel Osteen and the, and, and, and the criticism that was coming up, I don't, I'm not here to say that he's great or, or, or not great. What I'm saying is he's a believer, he's a Christian, we are too, and we're all one church. And for the church to be the picture or the perfect picture of peace, confusion should not creep into it. But yet we still saw that. If the church is the answer to confusion and the loss today, we should be the example of unity and oneness. And I, and I believe, and I've seen then other stories of churches in our region that are supporting other churches in that region and sending them money and resources and help and volunteers. So the picture still exists. That perfect picture is still there. But our voice needs to rise up and be louder than the voice that would show us as being divided. It's a a frustrating time when 
when we as believers, and, and I grow frustrated and I ought not to because God is still on the throne and he's still king of kings and he's still Lord of lords. My frustration is this, is that I want his light to be seen for all to see. Not just for a few. I want all to see his light and, his, and, and have understanding of his peace and love that's available to him. So when there is this tumult or confusion, I encourage you, remember what body you're a part of. You're, you're one body. You're a part of the body of Christ. And don't let confusion creep in. The series text that we're in is Colossians 3, verse 15. And it says, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one, say one, one body, you are called to live in, say, peace. We're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Well, how do we live in peace? How do we demonstrate in our individual lives and as a church, as we are a part of that church, as we are a piece of that church, how do we demonstrate true peace? Well, we have to look at our Father. Last night, and this wasn't a part of my notes, but last night I was um, being informed by my son that, uh, that there's, and he's looking at me right now thinking, okay, what's he going to say? But he's saying, man, you're like, and I don't even know why he was telling this, but he said, you're my pastor, you're my this, you're my that. And he went on, he listed like 11 things. That man, I'm either really influential or really bugging him. But here's what I know. The more that he and I are engaged in each other's life, the more we, he, and this is a, a huge responsibility as a father, will become like me. The more that I'm engaged with my father God, the more that I will become like him. One of his attributes as God is peace. The more we're engaged with God, the more we'll start to take on that attribute of peace peace. Let's look at God and God having this attribute of peace. 1 Corinthians 14.33 tells us God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So when you see confusion, know that is not of God. Even if you see confusion in the church, know that that confusion is not of God. Well, some will say, but what about the church? The church is supposed to be perfect. Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. The church isn't supposed to be perfect. The church is supposed to be, pull out your puzzle piece. I don't have one with me, but look at your puzzle piece. Now, if this puzzle piece was perfect, it would be perfectly square, 90s on all four corners. But honestly, this piece is a little confusing. The colors don't even make sense to me. It just looks like a bunch of colorful smudges. It's an imperfect looking piece, but in the right picture, it becomes a part of that perfect picture of peace. So the church with its individuals is very imperfect, but together, each individual I should say we're imperfect, but together we start to demonstrate as we have oneness, as we have peace with one another, we start to resemble that perfect picture of peace. So God is not a God of confusion, 
but of peace. Although peace and order have not traditionally been uh, known as an attribute of God, it is an attribute of God because of what we read in Scripture. This is important. Every person is important. It's critical that you make a difference where you're at. How do you make a difference? How do you bring peace into a world that's full of confusion? Well, it starts with knowing where we're rooted and where our foundation is found, and it should be found in peace. But not just peace, but in Christ and the peace that He gives. When God looked with compassion upon us, His people, the ones that He loves, He sees us and saw us as afflicted and and hurting and confused. He saw that we weren't being comforted. We were being tossed to and fro. Different things would happen and stir us up and cause us to be hurt and confused. And then Jesus... And then Jesus, why? Because He knew you. He knew what you were going through. You haven't gone through anything in this life that God doesn't know about. In Isaiah, it says in chapter 54, verse 11, O storm-battered city, troubled and desolate, I will rebuild you. Amen? O stormed battle people, troubled and desolate, I will rebuild you. With Precious jewels. I won't just rebuild you to be the way you were, but I will rebuild you with precious jewels. And make your foundation from lapis lazuli, and I will make your towers of sparkling rubies, your gates of shining gems, and your walls of precious stones. I will teach all your children, and they will enjoy great peace. That's a plan and a promise, a proclamation of redemption. In, from disorder and confusion, from rebellion and separation, He can bring all that back to being not just what it was when it was whole before the destruction, but better than because of Christ and His redemptive power. And then the other promise that we don't do it on our own. We don't do it alone because we are one people. As God's people, we are no longer separate, but we are one with Him and with each other. In Ephesians 2, Throughout that chapter, you see so much of being one with Him and being united together. In verse 12, it says, In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenships, of of actually being a part of His kingdom. You lived in this world without God and without hope. In verse 13, it says you have been... but." And I love it when when you read Scripture and it talks about how ugly things were, how confusing life has been, how battered I feel, and then you get to a Scripture verse and it says, but, 
But now you have been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. For Christ Himself has brought peace to us. It goes on, He he united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When His own body on the cross, He broke down the wall. There should not be separation And think about it this way. How many people groups, I talked about it last week, that what I see today, and and I've seen through a survey that we've done through the church, and just how people are living their lives, people desire to be a part of community. In fact, people must be a part of community. We were created to be a part of community. There's cultural community. There's community groups, but you're a, we're created to be a part of a community. Now, in this passage, he's talking about how there was Jews and there was Gentiles and there was two people groups. But because of Christ, he made it possible for them to be one. There, there was the Jews and then there was us. We were, we were separate from God's... We were no longer, or we weren't called, I should say, His children, because the Jews were His children. But because Christ died on the cross, He made it possible so we could all be His children. One group of people, united in Christ, with no confusion and no division in our midst. It's not something, though, that we can do on our own. It had to happen because of what Christ did on the cross. He did this. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in Himself one new people. Verse 16 of that same chapter says, together as one body, our hostility towards each other was put to death. There should be no hostility between you and me. There should be no hostility, period. None. And when there is hostility, that's not because of Christ. There was a video that went viral about two or three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, of a pastor that we're aware of down in Modesto. Uh, He was dedicating children in a service and and, and I honestly believe the Holy Spirit started directing him. And, and as, he was, as he was talking, he was talking about people that were calling themselves Christians, but yet there was no peace in their heart. And there was causing so much um, hatred and, and confusion and conflict within our nation. That, at the root of it, cannot be Christ, because Christ was about unity and being one. The challenge was, how could they call themselves a Christian and still be full of hate? It's not possible. Because to be a Christian would be to be little Christ or to be like Christ. And Christ doesn't have hatred in His heart towards His dad's creation. You as an individual, where are you today? Do you have 
Maybe you'd say, I don't hate anybody. Well, good job. But I don't really like so-and-so. Oh. I remember I was a point in time where I had an employee, and it was probably 20 years ago, and I had to let him go or terminate his employment. I rehired him in another position, and it was tumultuous, and we had to part ways once again. The second time came a lot of threats. It was not a kind moment. In fact, it was uh, frightening because he wasn't emotionally uh, holding it together all that well. Now, I know God was going to protect me, and, but I was in a place in my life I did not even want to, and I, we lived in a smaller community, I didn't want to even bump into him at the store or getting gas. And I can remember I was on high alert all the time, kind of watching for the individual because I did not want to cross his path because of the ought that we had against each other. Church, I believe that's true for you too. There's been people in your life, and there may still be people in your life today, that if you were to cross paths with them, you wouldn't know what to do. In fact, there's this fear and there's this confusion in your heart because you haven't settled it. And because you haven't settled it, you can't be one. That person, if they're far from God, needs you to love them. To be the one that hands this, this, this symbolic olive branch to them of peace. It's, it's lack of peace that will prevent the church from being that perfect picture of peace, that it's the lack of unity that will prevent the church from being that picture perfect, perfect picture of peace. That's like a tongue twister. Who is it? I, this isn't in my notes, but I feel that we're in that place that we have to take a minute and you need to think about for yourself, who is it that you need to make peace with? Verse 16 said, again, together as one body, our hostility toward each other was put to death. There should be no hostility between us, none. He, Jesus, brought this good news of peace to all of us. Now in verse 18, it says, Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. You don't have to do this alone, but with the same Holy Spirit, you can be empowered to go and make peace with one another. How do you walk in peace? There's all throughout Scripture, it talks about how to walk in peace. Uh, Paul, uh, throughout his letters, talks a lot about walking in peace. In 1 Thessalonians 5, we see that that He, the God of peace, does the work as He sanctifies us. Verse 23, it says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. It's, again, God, 
It's the God of peace that makes you holy in every way. How? It's spending time with that God of peace. Next, set your minds on the Spirit. Romans 8, 6 says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to... So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Remember, He, Christ, is our peace. We are one. As He died on the cross, He settled our odds against God and made a way for us to rest in the peace that only God can provide. Ephesians 2 says again, Christ Himself has brought peace to us. How do we walk in that peace? We walk in that peace by spending time with Him. Taking on His character as we spend time with Him. Now His peace is not a peace that's an inactive peace. It's not the one where I'm going to sit in my backyard and look at the pretty flowers and the sunrise and the sunset and be completely inactive so I can be at peace with myself. Without Christ, you cannot be at peace with yourself. No hours of yoga are going to bring peace without Christ. You can meditate all day long, but if you don't meditate on His Word, you won't have true peace. The peace that surpasses understanding. But if I spend time seeking understanding of myself, then I will find peace. No. Because true peace is not understandable. True peace comes from above. And it's a peace that surpasses our understanding. But His peace is also a peace that is active. The church is to be built up and have peace. And He's active in it. In Acts 9.31, it says, The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. Samaria. And it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. Jesus is also working today in us. And then there's the story of the blind man as a demonstration that God never stops working. Always working. If God is always working, then we should always be working with Him in this area of peace. Being peaceful with one another is going to take work. And it's hard work if you do it alone and if you do it on your own. And there's not a time that you shouldn't be working at it. This story, when the, when the blind man was uh, struggling, trying to get down to the pool so he could be uh, cleansed and healed, he was frustrated because just about the time he would get to the waters as they were being stirred by the Holy Spirit, and it was that place that he knew if he could just get in the water, he would be healed and he could see again, somebody would get in his way. That's frustrating. But then Jesus was there and he saw him and it happened to be the Sabbath. It should have been a day of 
rest. But God is always working. Does that mean that we shouldn't have a day of rest? No, you should have a day of rest, and you should keep it holy. But when it comes to peace, you should always be working at it. Because in in that place, Jesus saw him. He goes and lays hands on him. The guy is healed. And he says, take up your bed and walk and go. So when they see him carrying his bed around, they say, what are you doing? It's the Sabbath. You shouldn't be carrying your bed around. That was the least of his problems at that point in time because he was so happy he could see after not being able to. It says he was sick for 30. Oh, he wasn't blind. Oh, he's, it was cl- crowds of, he was lame, I'm sorry. He was paralyzed. He was a lame man. He was with crowds of people that were blind, so there were blind people there. I wasn't completely off track. But for 38 years... And then the church criticized him. The church criticized him for picking up his bed and walking after 38 years of being lame. Jesus was the perfect picture of peace on the Sabbath when he saw a lame man that needed to be healed. It wasn't about the rules. It wasn't about the law. It was about the love of God sending His Son Jesus to demonstrate a constant work of peace, a constant work of redemption, a constant work of restoration, a constant work of refreshing to people that needed it. God is always working. God's peace does not have to do anything. It has nothing to do with inactivity. But with ordered, controlled activity. To engage in this kind of activity, this this sort of work of peace, it's going to require God's wisdom, God's knowledge, and God's power. This morning we had a few words encouraging us to let Him breathe upon you. Let Him refresh you. And then you get a message that says you need to work at being peaceful with one another. And where there hasn't been peace, you need to restore peace once again. And you need to constantly be working at that. But then you have two messages. One saying be refreshed and one that says work. And the truth is it's both. Be refreshed in your work. Be refreshed in making peace. And know that your strength comes from the Lord as you walk in peace with Him. We can be a part of this activity. We can actively be working towards peace. In fact, we must be part of this activity. It's not... A choice. We must be a part of this activity. We are one body, a piece of the body of Christ, operating in the same spirit. 
First or Second Corinthians twenty two seven. Actually, First Corinthians twenty two twelve seven through thirteen says, "To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit." You're going to start seeing here how the body of Christ working together, many pieces working together becomes the church. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But in verse 13, it says, all these are empowered by what? One and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. God is not about division and separation. He's not about picking one over the other. God is about you and you being a piece of the whole, united together with one cause. And that is to worship Him with your whole life, your whole being, and to love your neighbor. Preparation for harvest. Are you prepared? Now it's time to prepare. In that preparation is making peace with one another. I'd ask the worship team, somebody could have some music up here. As they're coming, I... Why did we have a series right now on pieces to peace? Maybe this is where the preaching really starts. As the lesson just ended. But here's why. In preparation for harvest, as the increase comes, it will be short-lived if there's not peace in our ranks, if there's not peace in our midst. A house built on a funky foundation will not stand. The foundation of peace has to exist. So in preparation for harvest... We have to do the hard work of making peace with one another. Would you stand? Some of this is, I'm having you stand and, and stay active. Because I want you to really hear what the Spirit would say to His church. You are a critical part of this body. Every single one of you belongs here. That was the message last week, is that you belong. Now that you're here, you have to commune with your Father and know the peace that Jesus has given you between you and God. 
and make peace with one another where you belong. Because if you can't do it here, then there is no hope for the world. You are the hope of the world. You are the hope of the world. Would you bow your heads with me? and I'm going to meddle a little more. This is how God talks to me, okay? So I'll, I'll, I'll put this on me, but with your heads bowed and eyes closed, he would say, Doug, what's your problem? Who do you think you are that you can hold ought against somebody else and prevent my kingdom from moving forward? That's the message that I would get from him. Doug, grow up, straighten up, and work it out. Because we have something greater to do. And that little thing that you've been putting off, making peace with another, deal with it. Because the longer you wait, the bigger it gets, even when it doesn't. And the more it prevents us from actually moving forward and doing the kingdom work that I've called you to do. Now that's how he would talk to me. Maybe he would talk to you the same way. What is it you have to work through? That doesn't mean that there won't be other issues down the road. In fact, I'm going to tell you there are going to be other issues down the road. But it's how you work through them in a God-like fashion that will keep the kingdom moving forward in your life and in the life of those around you. It's about the furtherance of God's kingdom in your life and in the lives of those around you that matters. The ought is the stumbling block. The issue, the lack of forgiveness, is the stumbling block. Well, I didn't do anything wrong. Well, what did Christ do that was so wrong that he should get hung on a cross? But yet he still took all the pain and all the shame as if he was the sinner and died on the cross for your shame, for your pain, for your guilt. So as a Christ-like believer... Even when I feel I have done nothing wrong, I should still take the pain and the shame and the guilt because honestly, when I take it on, He takes it right from me. And it paves the way to peace. A key word in being a church of peace, of being a body of one, a key word is honor. Honor. What is honor? Honor isn't something that you see a lot today because today it's about getting what I need. But honoring is lifting others up above yourself. Everybody deserves honor. Yes, there might be things that they've done wrong in their lives, but that's not for me to point to. It's for me to honor them because they, at the very least, are God's creation. So with your heads bowed, eyes closed. Are you ready? 
Are you ready to work out peace? If that's you and you've you've had ought, there's been and I, and I know as the pastor there's things that I know about. And I'm not talking to anybody specifically. But by the pure fact that there's 250 to 300 people that come through this place, guess what? There's issues. Why? Because there's people. But raise your hand if you're willing to be a peace to the perfect picture of peace. Will you carry that banner? Will you say, yes, pastor, I'm going to join with you and I'm going to really join with the Lord to being peaceful and making peace with others? Thank you. Thank you. Dear God, we look to you knowing that on our own, we will fail. Knowing that on our own, we'll probably make a bigger mess of things. But with you, Lord, leading us and directing us as we spend time with you, leading us and directing us daily, Lord, seeking you, you'll give way to opportunity after opportunity to honor one another and to bring peace into the lives of others. Lord, I pray that we as a church will stand firm in our faith, will stand firm in our belief that God in in and of Yourself, one of Your attributes is peace. That we'll stand firm on that, knowing that we serve a God not of confusion, but a God of peace. And that we'll begin to walk that out in our lives. Lord, give us the strength to do that as the Spirit comes into our hearts. God, I thank you for this service today. An opportunity again to prepare. An opportunity again to, to believe and, and come together as one body to believe in what you're going to do in this community. Lord, we pray now for this community. Lord, I pray for Woodland. Yolo County, the surrounding area. Lord, we come against the strong man that would bind this community and, and bring in confusion and hurt and shame. Lord, we come against the, the enemy that would cause the community to, to almost self-destruct within, within its borders because of, of lack of understanding. And it's not lack of understanding of what's going on in life, but it's lack of understanding of who you are in their life and who you could be in their life. Lord, I pray that for every church in this city that the doors will open wide and people will flow into them, but not just into them, but that the church will flow out of its doors and into a community and influence it in such a way that it will be set free from the strong man. So we come against the spirit of confusion in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that truth and peace will reign in our city. Lord, I pray that love will be demonstrated daily in how we walk and how other believers walk throughout this community. Let the church rise up to be the standard, to be the influence in this place. And not... 
And not the church that's divided, but the true church that is united as one in one spirit through Jesus Christ.